The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC is available online at overlandpark.cc. Welcome to OPCC Online. We're glad that you're here today. I want to say a special thank you to all of those of you who call OPCC your home, those of you who live locally. We also want to welcome those of you who are joining from uh, all over the place. We're encouraged by you during this uh, season joining in worship with us, and and we thank you for that. would ask you to uh, comment, like, amen. That is so encouraging to me and the, the rest of the family as you guys are doing that and commenting online. I'm I'm grateful for you and your engagement on a weekly basis, and I I thank you for praying for me. I know many of you are praying for me that the Lord would continue to bring a word. Today we're going to be in Hosea chapter 4. Hosea chapter 4 is where we're going to be spending our time, and as I go back to the body, the local body, I want to say, man, it's been an exciting week. A lot of people wonder, man, what in the world is going on um, with uh, our project? We've been raising money for the project, man, things are still moving forward, Um, we've been uh, signing off on sort of some designs where they're going to have a mock-up of, of actually what we're building and, and we'll have it out here testing some lights and we're excited about those things. So things continue to progress. So I encourage you to continue to give to make that a reality and thank you for uh, your faithfulness. But as we get into the word, man, we've been talking about Hosea and Gomer. And last week, man, as we talk about the language of the lion, Hosea is this prophet of God that is raised up and he, like Amos and, and Isaiah, they all use the language of the lion and how he's roaring at the nation of Israel. And God uses um, Hosea to tell us this incredible story about him and his wife and how it's a picture of God's faithfulness to his people and a picture of their unfaithfulness to him and how he constantly strives and works with um, his people to call them and allure them back to himself. And so when we look at that, we see this story about how God is faithful and we are unfaithful. But what we need to understand as we get into kind of a heavy word today um, is that God is faithful to himself, okay? That's where I think in theology we've sort of shifted, in the, in the, especially in the West, in the church in the West, when we think of God as faithful, even when we are unfaithful, what the scripture is teaching us is that God is faithful to himself. Even if we are unfaithful, God is still faithful and everything that is true is still true and he will never deny himself. He is holy and he is to be treated holy. And so he... Um, what he's teaching us and teaching the nation of Israel as we look into this prophet, um, Hosea, and, and the life lessons that God brings through him is that um, he will not bring blessing into our lives if we sin and rebel. And that's a real important thing for us to understand as believers of Jesus is the same would apply to us, is we cannot expect the blessing of God if we are walking in a place of sin and rebellion against God. And it doesn't always mean that we're walking in a sin of commission where we're um, actually intentionally doing something that is sinful against God. Sometimes it is a sin of omission that is offensive to God and keeps him from being able to pour out his blessing upon us. And so there are consequences for that. And we are always um, reaping the consequences of the sin that we sow. And so I would say, man, I would submit to you that as we look at this virus and how has it impacted the global um, like economy, the entire world, all of humanity has been impacted by it. Did God send that? I don't think there's any doubt 
in my mind that God sent this. And so we'd say, well, man, are you saying that when a person gets sick that God sends that? No, I'm not saying that. We know that from the fall that people get sick and they die, and we can expect that. That doesn't necessarily mean that we are not walking in fellowship with Christ. As a matter of fact, sometimes the word teaches us that in our sufferings, we are never more like him. And so sometimes we go through sickness, and in that physical suffering, we can learn some deep things about the Lord, and he can get glory from our lives. But God deals with nations differently than he deals with individuals. And so when we look at this story of Hosea, he's speaking to the nation of Israel. And certainly as he's speaking some of these hard sayings, not everybody in the nation of Israel um, fits the bill of what is being described in the book of Hosea. Certainly we wouldn't say that of Hosea himself because he was being used to bring the hard word from the Lord. And so like I, that's what I would say is that as we look at how God has sent this and he sort of using it to cripple the economy. As we look back on all of the stories that we have in the Bible, over and over and over again through history, God has used events like this to speak to people. And my hope and my prayer as a minister of God is that we would listen and we would be awakened to the truth that he is trying to speak and roar into our lives. Because I really believe that if we do not awaken to it, that worse days are ahead, especially for the United States of America who has reaped so much of the blessing of God over the course of her uh, history as a nation from the time of her birth as the people of God were prominent in the United States of America, then they could receive the blessing of God. And it doesn't mean that everybody that lived in America was following God. We know that's not the case. But it does mean that primarily the majority of people believed in God. And God was, um, he was, he, it, because the people of God were following him, the blessing of God could fall on the nation of America because people People respected God. They acknowledged God. That's why there are so many things in our history that we see in God we trust. It is an acknowledgement of um, the Judeo-Christian God of the Bible. And we know that in our laws, like even in the House of Representatives behind the Speaker of the House, the bust of Moses exists to, to, to kind of emphasize that we are a nation that respects and honors the Judeo-Christian God of the Bible. And so like now when we look at our country, we may still have a lot of those things, like we would say, in God we trust on our money, but as we look at the culture, we don't see that in God we trust. We see that it is in ourselves that we trust, and that's the same type of thing that was going on in the nation of Israel, and why God raises up Hosea to begin to roar at them to try to get their attention to call them back home. And so when we think of God roaring like a lion, it is a beautiful thing, and it's not a thing that it, God is being vengeful, and we think of maybe a, a father who loses his temper in the home and he roars at his children and he begins screaming at them because he's angry. That's not the same picture. What is happening in this picture is God is roaring out of his deep love and concern. And he is holy in his roar. There is no sin in God. So when God roars and he executes some kind of judgment on a nation, that, that God is holy in that. He is holy. And we, it's hard for us to wrap our minds around that. We don't even like to think and talk about God this way because we think in human terms. And when we think in, in, in some kind of wrathful term 
then what we picture is someone who is out of control and tearing things up. But that is not God. God is holy. We know by his nature there is um, no sin in him. And so when God roars and he releases his wrath in order to execute judgment, it is always about truth and justice. And, and so when we look at the word, we need to understand that it is covered in the grace and mercy of God. But it is also covered in the truth and justice of God. And when the justice of God is executed upon a, a nation, then what is happening is God is trying to get his, his people that he cares about and that he loves to pay attention to how they're living so that they can continue to walk in his grace and mercy as opposed to walking in the wrath that causes people and the entire planet to suffer. And so when we look at this story today, we enter the courtroom and God brings a charge against the nation of Israel. He is both the prosecuting attorney and he is the judge himself. And we see some things that are actually, they actually, man, like today, like I'm wrestling with the Lord. I hope you know that as I, as I bring the words to you on a weekly basis, man, I'm not sitting in some creative planning meeting thinking about how can I engage the people and make you pay attention. I'm laboring before the Lord of the universe and saying, God, what do you want me to say to your people? And it's heavy, man. The Lord, like he comes over me, and it's hard sometimes to speak the truth, but I'm a minister of God called to preach and speak the word of God in truth and love and to expose the people of God and the people of the world to the truth of the gospel and not just part of the gospel, but the whole counsel of God. So as we turn our attention to the word today, know this as is coming to you. Know that it is God in his heart for you that cries out. Know that as the heaviness comes, Comes from the words that fall from my lips. It is the mouth of God from the word of God speaking to you about his deep love for you and that he's not willing that anyone should perish and he's even okay with allowing the world to suffer if it means it'll get their attention and call one person back to himself. And I believe that's what's going on with the, uh, the Lord and, and, and speaking to the American church especially is wake up, bride. Wake up from your slumber. Wake up from your sleep and realize that what you're living and what you're doing is not what I died for. I died for you to be much more powerful than you are. And so many would push back and say, man, you're, you're really preaching hard against the church. I'm forced to preach hard against the church because as I look at the culture and see all of the churches, I drive by thousands of churches in my own city. All my life I've drive, driven by thousands of churches. And I look at the world today and the impact we're having on the culture. And one cannot logically conclude anything but the fact that all those churches are not having an impact on the culture the way that they are designed to be having an impact. And that is exactly what was happening in the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel who was to go into the promised land, conquer the promised land, and they were going to be used of God to begin to shift the cultures around them. The Jewish people were chosen by God in order to influence the world and tell the story of God to all the surrounding nations. But what we see happening is the Canaanites begin to impact the culture of the Israelites instead of the Israelites impacting the culture of the Canaanite. And that's what's happening in the church today is that we look at the world and we see how awful things have become and how wicked sometimes it looks to, that like the culture is, and we shake our heads in disgust and say it's the leader's fault. And I would push back and submit to you the reason those leaders are in that position of authority is because we put them there. 
And the reason that they are acting in such rebellion of God is because we tolerate it. And we think that it's okay to live this way. We've created a culture in which we acknowledge God in mouth but not in deed. It doesn't transfer to the heart. And that is exactly what happened to the nation of Israel. And so what does God do? He raises up the prophet Hosea. He has him go through this experience with his wife to teach an object lesson. And after the object lesson is given, then he uses Isaiah to bring forth the word of God so that the people of God could know what the lion is like and how to respond to him. And so as we dive into the word today and we begin to unpack a very deep and hard message, I would submit to you, man, listen to the lion and let him speak to you today. Listen to what he has to say and let us all give heed to the roar of the lion for the sake of the country that we all love. And I think that's what's going on in our our culture today, man. Is that God is trying to say something to us. And as we look at that and we listen to that as the church of God in America, as the church of God all over the world, the lion is trying to awaken us. And I think it's time for us to give heed and ask where are we to step into obedience in our lives? And we turn to the scripture and we find in verse 1, as the judge is sitting on his uh, judgment seat, and as he, God, is also the prosecuting attorney and he begins the case, he says, hear the word of the Lord, you Israelites, because the Lord has a charge to bring against you who live in the land. Listen to what he says. There is no faithfulness No love, no acknowledgement of God in the land. There is only cursing, lying, and murder, stealing, and adultery. They break all bonds or bounds, and bloodshed follows bloodshed. Because of this, the land mourns, and all who live in it waste away. The beasts of the field and the birds of the air and the fish of the sea are dying. There's great environmental implication for the way that the people of God are living. And he says, but let no man bring a charge. Let no man accuse another. Don't point the finger at other people, he says. But then he does something very very interesting. because He says, for you people are like those who bring charges against a priest. And I think we begin to see what happened to the nation of Israel started with the spiritual leadership. He says, you stumble day and night, and the prophets stumble with you. So I will destroy your mother. My people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. My people, he says, are destroyed from lack of knowledge. Knowledge of what? Knowledge of the word of God. He says, because you have rejected knowledge, I also reject you as my priest. Because you have ignored the law of your God, I also will ignore your children. The more the priest increased, the more they sinned against me. They exchanged their glory for something disgraceful. They feed, listen to this, they feed on the sins of my people and relish their wickedness. And it will be like people Like priests, like people, like priests, he says. I will punish both of them for their ways and repay them for their deeds. They will eat but not have enough. They will engage in prostitution but not increase. Because they have deserted the Lord to give themselves to prostitution, to old wine and new, which they take, which take away the understanding of my people. 
Now, this prostitution he's speaking of, most likely there was some physical prostitution going on in the temples as well as um, the spiritual prostitution, which he's really trying to get their attention with. He says, you're looking to all these other things. You're prostituting against me. You're going out and, 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 and you're prostituting yourself to other deities. And he says, they consult a wooden idol and are answered by a stick of wood. A spirit of prostitution leads them astray. They are unfaithful to their God. They sacrifice on the mountaintops and burn offerings on the hills under oak, poplar, and terebinth where the shade is pleasant. They go into these pleasant places and worship, it says. Therefore, your daughters turn to prostitution and your daughters-in-law to adultery. I will not punish your daughters when they turn to prostitution nor your daughters-in-law when you commit adultery because of the men. Because of the men, he says. God is trying to call his attention to the men to rise up and be the men of God that he wants them to be. Because of the men themselves consort with harlots and sacrifice with shrine prostitutes. A people without understanding will come to ruin. Though you commit adultery, O Israel, let not Judah become guilty. Now, what is he doing here? Well, Israel, he's talking to the 10 northern tribes, and down to Judah, he's talking to the southern tribes of Israel. He says, let not Judah become guilty. Do not go to Gilgal. Do not go up to Beth-Avon. And do not swear, as surely as the Lord lives, the Israelites are stubborn like a stubborn heifer. How then can the Lord pasture them like lambs in a meadow? Ephraim, that's just another way to describe Israel. He says, Ephraim is joined to idols. Leave him alone. Even when their drinks are gone, they continue their prostitution. Their rulers dearly love shameful ways. A whirlwind, listen to what the lion says, a whirlwind will sweep them away and their sacrifices will bring them to shame. Now, Hosea is being used to prophesy to the, the people of Israel. And in 20 years, they, their nation, they would lose control of their nation. They would be invaded and carried away in captivity. Now, just to stop for a moment to think about what that was like for the people of Israel, this nation that he's speaking to, can you imagine a foreign land like China coming in and, and, and sweeping us away and setting up a new government and all of the government that we've known for 200 years is gone because now we are held captive by a foreign communist nation. You say, well, that could never happen. Why do we think that way? Why are we so arrogant in the face of God and shake our hand in his face and think that we have protection just because of who we are? We, we don't know what can happen. Like we never saw this virus coming and it crippled us in just a few short days. And now they're talking about a, a depression like our grandparents went through that is altering the landscape of everything we know as normal. The lion is roaring at us, and we see that he roared at the nation of Israel. And so am I saying that the United States is Israel? No, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that we study the word of God, and we see the truth of God, and how he treated this nation that belonged to him, we learn something of how God interacts with people groups. And it's very important about how that people group interacts with God. Am I trying to say, well, I want uh, us to have a, a religion instituted by the state? No, I'm not saying that in any way, shape, or form. I think a person ought to have religious freedom. But what I am saying 
is those who are free to worship God however they want have not worshiped God how he says that we should worship him in the word. We have created a different image of Christ and made him fit into what we can tolerate. And that's exactly what the nation of Israel did. And so as I preach these hard messages and the word is speaking to me and the Lord is bringing a word, I, I feel in my heart of hearts, man, it is for the church. It is for the church that he's speaking to. It is for his bride that he's calling out to. And he wants us to get serious about how we are walking out in obedience as we claim to know him as the lion that we run with. Well, as we break down the charge, we see some very important things. And I just want to summarize it and point out and highlight a few things before I give you a couple of applications. And, and here's what we see is the charge is no faithfulness to God, no love for God, and no acknowledgement of God. And what is being done here is the faithfulness and the love comes from the acknowledgement. The way that we acknowledge God is by our faith and our love for God. And so they were only acknowledging him in their lips and they had shifted away from the word. Now listen, what is happening in the church today, there is no doubt, is that there are many that are shifting away from the word. And we're talking too much about things that are going on in society like we're giving TED Talks. We don't give TED Talks. We speak for the lion. And so what we need to be doing is not sitting and, and trying to be extremely creative, which I think we can do in the word but it's not creativity driving what we're teaching on. It's the Christ driving us, and then we get creative. And I know this. Listen, I know this. You say, man, he's just, he's just blasting me as a minister. Listen, I don't even know who I'm talking to, but what I want to confess to you is there was a season in my ministry where I started to allow creativity to drive the message instead of the Christ. And it is an unhealthy thing to do. And that is exactly what happened to these priests as we begin to unpack. And so we have to understand, man, the church of God is an important place where people hear the words of God fall on their ears and awaken them to a place of obedience. And so the consequences, what are the consequences of their failure to acknowledge God and their faithfulness and their love for him? It says in verse 2, the result is, a cursing, lying, stealing, and adulterous people. Now remember, the adultery is being likened to spiritual adultery. And so when it talks about cursing, it's not talking about foul language. It's talking about the way that we would interact and call down a curse upon another person, that we would mean ill for them, okay? And so here's the result of a person who ceases to acknowledge that God is God. And if you look at our culture, that's what it is marked by right now. It is marked by um, the, the, the lying, the stealing, the, the, the adulterating against the Judeo-Christian God of the Bible, man. Like even, and I'm not talking just about unbelievers. Matter of fact, I'm, the only thing I'm preaching to an unbeliever is that, man, your heart would be awakened to God and you would become a part of the lion's bride and you would, you would understand what it means to come alive spiritually and that the lion would draw you unto himself and you would be born again, as Jesus says. But once you're born again, he owns you. And so he calls out to you for faithfulness and love. I'm reminded of the churches in the, Reve the book of Revelation that had lost sight of their first love. They had fallen away from what they had originally uh, uh, given allegiance to the lion. And so the same thing, we see it happening over and over and over in Scripture. And so what are the consequences of this cursing, lying, stealing, 
and adultery. The consequences are the land mourns. The, the people, it says in uh, verse 3, waste away. The environment struggles. Now, if we just think about that for a moment, about what that meant for this, this culture in ancient history, it meant their economy would be crippled. Everything that they knew as pleasure and materialism would be taken away as a consequence of the way that they were choosing to live and ignore God. What's the reason for all of this? Now, here's where you begin to put together the book of Hosea and see what God is trying to say for, through this prophet. You see, the priests weren't doing their job, so God raised up the prophet supernaturally to speak a word to the people, to try to get them to see that they weren't doing their job. The reason is a lack of knowledge. A knowledge of what? The word of God. Like When he says cursing, lying, stealing, and adultery, that's the very word of God that was given on Mount Sinai. And those are the things that they were adulterating against God by the way that they were behaving. And so the priests of God were not doing a good job of teaching the people of God how to follow him. And I would say that what we've built in American church today, and it breaks my heart to say this, man, is we've built consumerism. We've, 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 we've catered to the people. We've taught them that, man, it's all about the greatest children's ministry, and it's all about the greatest youth ministry, and it's all about the greatest women's ministry, and, and the outdoors men's ministry, and the ministry, and the ministry, the ministry, the ministry. And the lion is saying, man, it's not about any of that. It's about me and my word. It's about holiness. It's about allegiance. It's about learning how to apply the word of God to your life and, and render yourself uh, submissive to him as the lion that he is. And so since the environment in their time struggles, their economy is crippled and provision is withheld. And he's saying to them, the days are coming and it feels like this. You have to understand they were living in a day of prosperity as, as, as Hosea and Amos and Isaiah are prophesying these things. Man, things are great in their country, okay? And so they begin to fall apart and the wheels fall off and within a couple of decades of this period of this prophecy taking place. And so the reason is a lack of knowledge, spiritual ignorance. Verse 9 says, like people, like priests. Now a very scary thing for me as a minister is that verse 8 says, they feed on the sins of my people and relish their wickedness. Verse 9, and it will be like people, like priests. And so if we make an application for us of, of, of what that, that means, it, it, like if we look at that and go, man, what, what it appears to be going on, and we know what was going on, is they were, they were bringing in the sin offerings. And they were encouraging the people to bring the sin offerings. And they weren't teaching them to quit sinning. They were just, because they got a portion of the sin offering. So the more people that came in and brought the sin offering, the more prosperous the priest was that was leading that group of people. And so I think that when I look at the church, man, and I, I'm like, man, I'm, again, like, like it's hard for me to say these things, okay? It's hard for me, like, but I'm just being honest and transparent and trying to be true to the word of God. It appears to me that we are teaching the Christian culture that it's all about the grace of God. It's all about the mercy of God. And, and we're not teaching heavily enough on the obedience and the other side of God with truth and justice. Just answer the question, when the last time you heard a sermon on wrath was? When's the last time you heard anybody talk about hell? 
It is because we've, we've, we've slipped off into this place because there was a time when that's all preachers talked about. And so we've swung the pendulum way over to the other side that now that it seems for the most part all we talk about is either um, helping society and doing social justice things, which are good, they're great, but they're not great if the people are not walking in obedience who are the ones going out and ministering to the others. The first allegiance must always be to the lion who laid down his life for us as the lamb. And we take his word and lay it over our hearts as a filter to show us what our souls are like. Then we go out and minister. And so our ministries cannot be driven by the things that we do in the society that is good. We should do those things, but first they should be driven from the word, from the pulpit and the words of God coming from the man of God preaching to the people so that they can take the word of God and be fully equipped to go and make disciples. And I fear that we have been impacted by the culture. And we're more concerned about the executives on Wall Street that are writing books that teach you how to be a great executive than we are teaching the executives on Wall Street how to be great followers of Jesus. And so the things of the world have crept into the church and we're all concerned about leadership when we need to be concerned about is discipleship. What we need to be concerned about is obedience. What we need to be concerned about is what happens when the priest of God is not falling before the, the, the Christ himself and receiving a word from the, the lion that he can bring to his people is that we can easily cross a line and we can become arrogant. And you can say, how, how, it's arrogant of you to say that, Jimmy. Well, let me just tell you something. About uh, 12 years ago, that was me. Like I crossed the line. And so as I speak to you, I don't speak in condemnation. I speak in warning that it's easy to do because we begin to look at what's happening around us and we fail to realize that there's hard work of the ministry of teaching people the truth of God and allowing it to permeate all of their lives. And so what happens to the people is, is the priests begin living off of the sin. And I, I, again, I'm reminded of men, if we're just teaching people about grace and mercy and not the consequences, then we're living off of the people's sin. We're not being faithful to teach the whole counsel of the word of God. What, what happens when people do that? Religion. The religion of people always determines the destiny of people. It's like, it always determines the destiny of nations. Now, I know that religion can be a bad word, okay? But if we just use it in the technical sense of what it really means, it means how we worship God, okay? And so when, when we take and we begin to, um, allow, when, when spiritual leaders don't teach the whole counsel of God and they're not breaking open the manna from heaven, the word of God, and, and, and exegeting it to the people of God, then what happens is we can start getting on these tracks of religion and running down it and our intentions are good, our hearts are right, our motivation is right. But it is possible to cross the line and not realize that we are not listening to the lion anymore. We're now being led by the momentum that comes from growth. And it begins to feed the ego of the minister. And as the minister's ego is fed, then what happens is that thing can really start running really, really fast. And all of a sudden, we're just trying to keep up with the momentum. And we forgot all about the master. That's what's happened to the church or the nation of Israel in this story. Is the priests of God, man, they, they've lost their way. And like people, like priests is what the word teaches us. 
And it leads them to verse 10, personal emptiness. It says they will eat but not have enough. They will engage in prostitution but not increase. There's an emptiness in their soul. They're never satisfied even though there is plenty. That's a picture of American culture. We're never satisfied and there's plenty. More and more is what we want. When we ought to be wanting more and more of the lion, we just want more and more stuff just like Gomer. She couldn't see that love existed in Hosea, her husband. And so she ran out for material things and pleasure more and more and more and more. And she forgot about the master. And there's the adultery that is taking place. What happens whenever we end up living like that? And you're saying, man, this is strong. Is it a picture really of America? Look at verse 11. It says in verse 11 that um, because they have deserted the Lord, it says, to give themselves to prostitution, to old wine and new, which take away the understanding of my people. What does that mean? What it means is they're using strong drink to compensate for the dissatisfaction they feel in their souls because they're seeking pleasure and materialism instead of the master. And so they must inebriate themselves in order to find a place of fulfillment. And the danger of that is that when we are um, dull, God can't deal with us. And we are dull as a culture. We take drugs for everything. We take Xanax when we feel depressed. We drink alcohol when we're not having a good time. We have to do everything that we possibly can to make us have fun. And we're certainly not doing it the way that the Lord said that we should do it. Now, am I anti-medication? No, I'm not. Like if a person is sick, they need medicine. And I'm, I, I believe that, uh, that that's a gift of God that comes, uh, science comes from God when, when it's done in a healthy way. But that's not what I see happening in our culture. I see a little bit of panic and then a prescription and no time to go before the Father and fall on your face and ask him to help you with that that's going on in your life. And then what happens is you're dulled and God can't deal with you. Sometimes the greatest things that could ever happen in your life is when you're in the most miserable place and you feel like your life is falling off the rails and the wheels are going to come off, man. That's when God can really speak truth to you. But if you choose to dull yourself in those moments to try to make it through, then the heaven can't open up and come to earth the way Jesus wants it to because you're looking for a, a way to find satisfaction in the world apart from the lion and that's what Israel was doing and that's what God is saying to us right now. Like when has there been a more prosperous time in the history of humanity than the time that we're living in? Just think of the devices we carry around in our pockets that allow us to do things that seemed so fictional 30 years ago. It's happening all like it is a wonderful time to be alive, yet we look inside deep at the soul of the person and we don't find the satisfaction that ought to be coming. It is because the things will never put us there. But if we could really get to where God wants us and we had all of the things, then we would begin to live the abundant life that Jesus talks about. But the thief has robbed us. He has stolen from us because he has allured us himself out into a place and got us drunk on materialism and pleasure. When we end up with personal emptiness and use strong drink to compensate and make sense out of life and make it livable, the next step is verse 12. It says that they consult a wooden idol. You seek counsel from wooden idols. Now, one of the things that helps us and comforts us as we read the Old Testament is we think in our minds, well, I don't have any idols, man. 
I'm not committing spiritual prostitution on God. I don't have a wooden idol in my house. But you have to be reminded that the wooden idols were being mixed with other things. And it doesn't require an idol to take uh, you into this place of idol worship. Here's all it requires. If you want to know whether or not you're, you're participating in idol worship, it's when you live your life and you make decisions apart from the word of God. And most people, all you, all you hear when you challenge them to get, to get in the word is I get so distracted. I don't have time. I can't do that. Idol, idol, idol. See, we're mixing and we're seeking and we're making decisions and we're living our lives and, and we're working our careers. We're, we're at work and, and, and our work ought to be benefiting and prospering because the blessing of God is falling on our lives because we're making decisions based on the word, not based on the culture. But that's not the world we're living in. We're living in a world where the people of God are making decisions based on the culture because they are afraid if they don't make the decision like the other guy with, well, then they might lose that promotion. So what? (laughs) What benefit is a promotion if you can't enjoy the life that you're already living? You'd be better off without the promotion and walking with the lion and letting him put joy and peace in your heart and flowing from your life with the fruit of the Spirit. Well, the sad thing about that is we think there's a better way apart from the word, and there never is. That's the story of the Bible. God has chosen to write and give us a historical record of what he is like so that we can know him. What other way would be better to do it than what God has done it? He's, he's given, given us a mind that we have an intellect, that we can think, we can read, we can study, we can talk, we can communicate, we can talk back to him based on what he said to us. And then he's given us the Holy Spirit that will speak to us even in those moments when we can't even come up with the words to say. The Spirit will speak and make intercession for us. But yet we don't have time for that. What is going on? We look around the world and ask ourselves the question, what is God is doing? He's trying to wake up the church. He's trying to call her home. He's trying to get us to the place where the people of God possess a power to go out and make a difference in the culture and the world is shifted and altered and people start looking like Jesus because of the way we live, not because of the things we say. Verse 19 teaches us a whirlwind will sweep them away. Now, I've been in the presence of whirlwinds growing up in Oklahoma. Now, I've seen massive tornadoes. Almost was caught up in one one time, and it was terrifying. I've seen the path of destruction they leave behind, and I've seen slabs that were just wiped clean and looked like it was the day to begin framing the house when it was the day the house was just wiped away by the whirlwind. And God describes that as the nation of Israel continues to live on, this, on in this spiritual adultery, that's what's coming for them. And we see very clearly the wrath of God. We see, man, that, I don't like you talking about a wrath of God. I don't care. Like, I'm not called to be a person who tries to get popular and just says what I want to say when I want to say it. I have allegiance to a lion, and what I see is that the lion roars sometimes. And when we walk in sin and disobedience, these are the consequences. And the greatest thing that I could ever do for you in your life is speak the truth in love and say, man, you don't have to walk in a way that you're worried about the wrath. 
But if you are walking in a way of sin and rebellion, you should be concerned about it. Because the scripture clearly teaches us that it is there. We're not comfortable talking about it and speaking about um, uh, this way about God. So you know what we've done? We have changed Jesus into something that is tolerable. We can tolerate him. We don't talk about the whole side of the truth of God because we don't want to bow down in allegiance to some of the things we, he asks us to do, so we just change them. The priests of God change and say, well, that was for that culture. No, it is not. It is for every culture and every age. It is the word of God, and it calls us to bow down and submit to him and walk in humility. We are more concerned today, as uh, uh, Ravi Zacharias says, we are more concerned about rights of people instead of what is right for people. And that's why we've come to this place in our world. It's a beautiful thing to talk about the wrath of God. How is it a beautiful thing? Because it is a picture of, man, that God is, he, he's not going to just let us ruin ourselves. I'm thankful for it. Man, if, when you develop a holy fear of the Lord, it alters your life and shifts. And I don't walk around worrying about what God is going to do to me. I walk around knowing, man, that the lion is my king and he takes care of me. And I don't worry about the roar because I'm listening to what he's calling me to do. So it begs the question, what in the world are we to do as you preach this hard message, man? There's a way to respond, and we see that God is calling out. He calls out to Judah. Remember the ten tribes of the north, man, they've gone so far that God has just said, man, it's done. Like judgment is coming. But there's hope for you, Judah. He's, and and he, he responds to Judah, and he's calling out to them. And I think there's hope for America. I think there's hope if we wake up. If we don't wake up, I think there's no hope. We will continue to go down this road of destruction. And so as we look and see the hope, what happens? It says in verse 15, though you commit adultery, O Israel, let not Judah become guilty. Judah, don't act like Israel. That's what he's saying here. Do not go to Gilgal, do not go up to Beth-Avon, and do not swear as surely as the Lord lives. What is he saying in that? Judah, don't be guilty like Israel. Don't go up to Beth-Avon. Well, it's pretty interesting that what he's referring to is, is Bethel. And Bethel means house of God. But here, Hosea doesn't say Bethel. He says Beth-Avon, and it means house of deceit. Don't go to the house of deceit. So what do we do? Well, I would say what you do. If you're going to a church where you know they're not preaching the word of God and being true to it, don't go there. Don't go there. Like men, you're, you're, you're like priests, like people. We don't get to say, well, I, I don't believe everything that person says. If you don't believe it and he doesn't repent from it, you need to flee from it and don't go there. Don't go there, Judah. Don't go there. We look at that man. And we see that there can be houses of deceit all over the place. We can see that there can be prophets and they can be um, wolves, wolves in sheep's clothing. And we must be reminded of that. We must also be reminded that the house of God is now the body. It's the temple of the Holy Spirit. Don't be guilty like Israel, he says. Judah, don't be guilty. That's how we respond. Is what we do is we look and, and here's what he's, he's saying to us. Don't mock God. 
Like that's the word of the Lord for you today. Don't mock God. I'm reminded of the Apostle Paul. He says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he reap also. And so we want to make sure that we're living our lives. Like the furthest thing from my mind is that I would live my life like I'm mocking God. That's one of the reasons I'm willing to stand up and preach a message like this today. Is because I'm not going to mock God with my life. Because I've learned that how I walk in the protection and the freedom of the lion is to listen to what he says. And not mock him. If I don't listen to what he says and walk in obedience, then I'm mocking him. I'm saying to him, I know better than you. And so I listen to the Lord and I dig and I work and I'm trying to hear what God wants me to say to you. And he says to bring you a message like this. It's not a message where you can hardly wait to get to the church to preach it. It's a message where you're just walking in obedience and saying yes to the lion. Believing that the awakening is dependent upon the people listening to the voice of the lion as he roars to our country. As he roars to the people of God, wake up, O sleeper. Wake up from your slumber. That's the way we respond. We don't mock God. The second thing is, is um, we see in verse 16 is to don't be stubborn. Listen to the Lord. There are many of you right now that you got your arms folded. And you're like, I don't like this kind of preaching. Look at verse 16. He says, the Israelites are stubborn like a heifer. How then, how then, he says, can the Lord pasture them like lambs in a meadow? You think Jesus unintentionally said, I'm the good shepherd. My sheep hear my voice and they listen. He didn't say they act like stubborn heifers. He said they listen to the voice of God and they follow because they know me. So how do we respond when we hear a word from this and we want, we want to make sure, man, I'm not walking like that. I'm not walking like that as a child of God. Then all we have to do is not mock God, listen to what he said. And how do we listen? The only way we can listen and hear the voice of the Lord is the word. And it is the very thing that is being attacked in our culture. Because the enemy knows if he can tear down the word and get us not to have confidence in it. And we quit reading it. We're not listening to the lion. And he can't lead us like lambs in a pasture. But only treat us like stubborn heifers that we are. You say, why would you preach such a hard word? Because I know what it's like to live like a stubborn heifer. And the only thing sometimes that will get a stubborn heifer's word or attention is to speak the truth. And I think the lion is roaring at us, and he's trying to speak the truth and love to us to get our attention and to call us home. And, and so we go like, man, this whole wrath thing, like it's making me uncomfortable, man. I think, Jimmy, you're born in the wrong century. I'm not born in the wrong century. Our culture has shifted, man. And here's the big idea of today's talk. The wrath of the lion is a source of blessing for those who respect it and a source of ruin for those who neglect it. Man, the wrath of God is not, it's not anything to be afraid of. And we don't like to think of God that way. And the reason we don't is because we want to make all the decisions for our lives. But everything else we look at in the world that way, we know there's wrath of a policeman. He will arrest us. You will get tased if you don't listen. That's the wrath of God being executed in government that we are to submit to. We, we don't have a problem with the wrath of a parent when a child is being disobedient. As a matter of fact, when we're on an airplane and the kid won't shut up and he's crying, cookie, 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 we're praying for the wrath of the parent to get control of that child. You see, it's in our DNA, so we shouldn't be uncomfortable with it. It's a beautiful thing, and it helps us to walk with the lion. 
And the point of it is this. If you are not disturbed by your sin, you will be destroyed by it. Or should I say it this way? If you are not disturbed by your sin, you will be destroyed for it. That's the holiness of God. You say, why? Why, why do you got to talk about God that way? Because God is holy and sin cannot be in his presence. It just can't be there. And so if it's there, then justice has to come down and be executed in that situation. We understand this deep in our DNA. The reason we don't like it and we want to turn a deaf ear to it and be stubborn about it is because we know if we're going to accept it, it's going to require genuine repentance and bowing down and walking in obedience and allowing the Lord, the lion, to transform my life into the image of himself. That's what happens when we walk in obedience. That's how the world will know us. Is that we love one another and we walk in obedience to Christ. This is a journal of mine. Something I wrote in August of 2015. The Lord started speaking to me specifically, and I, I couldn't understand exactly what the Lord was like, why am I hearing this? But the longer, you know, that I get away from that moment, the more clear it becomes. I wrote five years ago, I'm living in the time of unsound doctrine. Jesus is watching how I handle the responsibility. He will appear and judge me and my ministry. Many people will turn away from his message in me coming out, but he will gather many more around me as I keep my head. Don't be surprised if many leaders desert you as you live this out. I must be on guard against people who oppose this message. All I need is Jesus. He will ensure I have the strength necessary to proclaim this to the people he wants to make his own. He will rescue me for the sake of his own. If I am a faithful shepherd for Jesus, he will gather his sheep around me. And that, friends, is what he's doing. Like I'm watching sheep come, and they're ready, and they're hungry for the word of God. And I believe with all my heart that a revival is coming to our ministry. And I believe it is because we are being faithful to teach the word of God and raise up disciples that will go and make disciples just like Jesus said to do. We're not focused on anything else but those two things. That is the heartbeat of our ministry is to preach and teach the word of God, how people can eat it and listen to it, let it fall on their lives and go and make disciples. That's what Jesus said we're to do. Amos said, the lion has roared. Who will not fear? The sovereign Lord is spoken. Who can but prophesy? It's a strong word. And many would say, man, you're just bringing Old Testament to us. And I would say, yes, you're right. That's exactly what I'm doing because that's exactly what the apostles did. Let me just read to you a few lines out of the book of Romans. And you tell me if you don't think the Apostle Paul was studying the book of Hosea. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. 
since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made made so that men are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. Because of this, it says, God gave them over to shameful lust. Even their women exchanged their natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed indecent acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their perversion. Furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossip, slanders, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They are senseless, faithless, heartless, relentless, or ruthless. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. New Testament. God is calling to us, man. The lion, like we look and he, he died on the cross and rose from the dead so that we could walk with him, not so that we could change him, so that we could know him. We could have the knowledge of God. The problem is, is when the knowledge of God tries to come, like this sermon is trying to come right now, we are tempted to suppress it because there is an evil force that doesn't want us to receive it. But if we would learn to receive it and walk in submission, that the freedom of God would roll out of our lives. And you, my friend, would never be the same. This is the word of the Lord. What are you going to do with it? Father, we pray before you in this moment. You are the lion of the tribe of Judah. You conquered death, hell, and the grave. You are Jehovah Jireh. You control the winds and the waves. And Lord, you control all of our universe. We recognize that today as a body. And Lord, we know that there are people who are walking in darkness that don't understand that. And we know that our allegiance to you is what's going to help them come out of that life. But help us, Lord, to walk in that allegiance. Help us to submit to your authority. Help us to quit being arrogant, Lord. Let us confess as a nation, as a church, Lord. Let us see you as holy. Let us quit treating you like a lamb. And recognize you for the lion that you are. We love you. We pray these things in Christ's name. And amen. Now listen. You don't have to be afraid. 
a simple decision that can only be made when the lion draws you. And it's a decision to lay down your life and say, I'm yours. And when you lay down your life, the lion is drawing you unto himself. The promise is all those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Like the word teaches, we're all sinners and come short of the glory of God. And so it's not about like the things we do that make us right with God in the sense of being people of God. It's about what he's done. But when we truly recognize that, we will walk in obedience, and that's what he's calling us to. But he gives us the power and authority to walk it out. So if he's calling to you, it's a simple saying, man, Jesus, come into my life. Save my soul. Like, save my soul with your grace and mercy. I believe in faith. And, Lord, I know that's the only thing that can protect me from your truth and justice and wrath that must come because you are holy. A simple gift that we receive, and I would encourage you to do that today, friend. You'll never regret it if you do. Thank you for joining us this week, and may God bless your life as you listen to the lion. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at www.overlandpark.cc.